you will, turn in your Bibles to the fifth chapter, 2 Corinthians, as we continue our study through the Word. So you remember that Paul is journeying to the church there in Corinth. He's in Philippi when he is writing this letter. Titus has come to him and given him the good report. And, and Paul sits down now and just kind of pours his heart out in, in this uh, letter. You remember that he talked about the fact that he had changed his travel plans, but he didn't change them because he doesn't love them. He changed them because he does uh, love them. And Paul then began to talk about the triumph, this, you know, the triumph of Christ leading this glorious procession forwards and how amazing and awesome that day is going to be. That's the millennial reign when Christ is going to set up his kingdom, you know, here upon this earth. And, and so Paul begins to, you know, compare now the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. You remember that there were the Judaizers that are there in Corinth and they were trying to mix the two covenants together. And, and Paul is saying, no, the new covenant eclipses the old covenant. It is the foundation. The old covenant is the foundation for the new covenant but they are not mixed together the the superiority of the new covenant and you know Paul speaking about that there were the critics you know that that said that Paul really isn't you know really isn't an apostle and and look at how even the Jews themselves they they don't receive the gospel that that Paul is preaching you know Paul's gospel isn't quite right and you remember that Paul says the power, there's power in the gospel. He says there's nothing wrong with the message of the gospel. He says the reason that the Jews don't receive it is that there's a veil that is over their eyes, and, and that veil remains. Paul knew exactly what he was talking about because Paul had had that veil over his own eyes, being that persecutor of the Christians, and, and so you know explains this, this veil that is over them. It's the God of this age you know, that has put that veil over them. They were those that were saying, you know, look at how everywhere Paul goes, he's disliked. And look at all the trouble that Paul always finds himself in. And, and they use that kind of to, to undermine his authority. And, and Paul said, no, the opposition is great, but it is just a, a sign that we are doing those things that God has called us to do. He talked about the way in which you know, we are hard pressed, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. He talked about the fact that, you know, God has placed this glorious treasure of his Holy Spirit inside of us and that we now are these living temples and earthen vessels that, that have been given the Holy Spirit of God. I think that for Paul, it was just one of those things that he just marveled at every single moment of his life till the very end of his life. 
He grew up going to the temple in Jerusalem. He go, grew up going to these great feasts and feasts of tabernacles and feasts of Passover and, and all. And, and there you would come and the magnificent temple stood and inside of the temple in the holy place in the holy of holies there on the mercy seat was where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. His physical manifestation of himself here upon this earth localized to that place and the whole world came and traveled to be able to draw near to where the presence of God was his whole life he grew up going and worshiping there at the temple and and, and suddenly now as the old covenant has come to its conclusion and the new covenant has begun God took his Shekinah glory and now placed it inside of Paul. Where once he went to the temple, he now is the temple. And the glory of the Holy Spirit, no longer in this magnificent, glorious temple, but placed inside of earthen vessels. And each and every one of us are now walking temples that God has placed his Holy Spirit inside of. The glory of the, of the new covenant, the grace and the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit inside of us and and so Paul says that yes there there's absolutely spiritual opposition but we do not lose uh, heart this earthen vessel that God has seen fit to put his presence in, inside he says that yes as we get older it, it, it continues now to uh, to grow weak but the inward man continues to ascend that we continue to go from glory to glory and you know and Paul talks about the fact that we see the invisible that we are now living for that eternal glory uh, of God that we see things that are not seen are are eternal and the things that we do see they're just temporal every single thing that that we experience here upon this earth this earth is temporal this earth is going to be destroyed a new earth is going to be created a new heaven is going to be created and and so paul began to just look at the eternal to lift his eye above the horizon and and to draw us there as we move into this fifth chapter we're going to see that you know, Paul is going to talk about the fact that not only do we have the Holy Spirit that is indwelling inside of us and how amazing that is, but, but then once after we breathe our last breath here that God still has a plan for us and the plan that God has for us continues to, to get better and better and better. He's going to talk about the fact that we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and the new covenant, not 
not to receive discipline or judgment, but to receive reward for service to, to him. The Bema seat was that glorious seat of the judges where they would hand out you know, the, the various crowns for the races and the Olympics and all. And it was that place of, of honor. And so we have that waiting for us. And and then ultimately he is going to once again talk about the ministry that God has given to him as a ministry of reconciliation where God is reconciling mankind through Christ. And, and so we begin here in this fifth chapter in verse 1. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And and so, you know, here Paul is talking about our physical life. He's talking about the fact that, you know, that, that we live in these tents. He, he first started, you know, with this picture of an earthen vessel, but now he is going to look at our bodies as a tent. Now, remember that Paul was a tent maker. <laughs> and so, you know, he used to make tents. And, and here he is comparing a tent to a house. And look at the durability difference between those two, how temporary. A, a tent is but a building now he says that we're living in tents but when we put off this tent we're not going to get a new tent because the tent will wear out but we are now going to dwell in a building but a building not made with hands see the 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 earthen body what did god do god took dirt <laughs> and he formed it into adam and then he breathed life uh, into it and so uh, here we see that that is that body that was made with hands but now we are going to have this new body and this new body is not going to be made uh, out of dirt it is not going to be a temporary body body. It's not going to be a, a temporal or a terrestrial body. It is going to be uh, an eternal body. And so it is eternal in the heavens. And so uh, we see that our bodies, our new body that we are going to get, our building instead of a tent is one that's never going to wear out. There's not going to be any hospitals in heaven. <laughs> There's not going to be any doctors. There's not going to be any emergency room. There's not going to be any sickness or illness. Your body is not going to wear out. Oh, how glorious that is going to be. And when Paul is writing this, Paul is no doubt aware of his own body wearing out. You'll remember that Paul struggled with his uh, eyes and his eyesight. See with what large letters I, I write to you. And, and Paul had this thorn in his flesh that was some type of malady, some type of illness. And on top of that, the beatings that he had taken, the stoning, the shipwrecks, and all his condition of his body, Paul would say to, that I bear the marks of the ministry in, in my body. And, and so Paul was very aware of, uh, of the aging process. He says in verse 2, For in this we groan, <laughs> earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. And, and so here, you know, Paul talks about, you know, we groan, desiring that new body, desiring now to depart from this physical 
body that we have and to receive our glorified bodies. In verse 4, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Paul saw the weakness of his body and you know and as we age we we go through that bell curve. We we start off weak and dependent and then our bodies grow strong and and we reach the zenith of our of our peak. And then things start to, to head downhill from, uh, from there. And, and the older we get, the more that uh, we are aware, you know, of, of our mortality and that these bodies are, are not made forever. We see that as we age, we begin to deal with things like arthritis and, and the difficulty of our, uh, of our bones. We, we end up with you know, cardiovascular issues, high blood pressure or low blood pressure, osteoporosis and the weakening of our bones and vision loss and hearing loss and, you know, and all of these things that are just the natural process of our tents wearing out. And there isn't anybody that's immune from it. Nobody, nobody gets out of it. Our skin starts to get wrinkly and thin to where you cut yourself. You didn't even know that you cut yourself you're like what in the world is happening you know here you know and this is just this universal experience don't laugh young people you're gonna get to here your time is coming on this you say oh now i know what he was talking about but you won't be able to remember that you know Paul says, I, I'm looking forward, you know, I'm looking forward to this, this new body that we are going to get that isn't going to experience this, this decline. In this new body, God's the one that's designed it. And Paul trusts in the incredible design. When you look at the designer, when you look at the creative genius of everything that is around us and know that God is the one that has given us a, a temporal body, but then he's given us an eternal body that's, that he's made. Now, verse 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. And, and so, you know, he's prepared this. He's the, doing the, the, the inward transformation and the outward. He's going to take care of that. He has a plan. And, and how can we be sure of that? The Holy Spirit is how we can be sure of that. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that has been placed inside us that these things are going to take place. And so, verse 6, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body we are absent from the lord for we walk by faith and not by sight paul talks about you know the fact that in this life we are experiencing the fullness of the presence of the holy spirit inside of us and the transformational work that is happening in inside of us and then we get to experience the, the beauty of the world that he has given to us, the sunrises and the sunsets and the fellowship and the love and all of this. But, but Paul says that while we are experiencing the very, the very best that this world has to offer, 
We're doing it all in the absence of the presence of the Lord. And that this is not going to even be able to compare to what's coming next. The Bible tells us that in His presence is the fullness of joy. To step into the holy presence of God. Where there is now no longer a need for day and night, for the very glory of God will be the illumination that, that we will dwell in. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the, the mind what God has prepared next to, for us. And, and so Paul says, you know, the, the, the best that this life has to offer is nothing compared to what God has next uh, for you. You don't have to worry about departing from here because you're graduating out uh, of here. Because you're doing all of this it, with the absence of the presence of the Lord. And then we're going to step into the very presence of the Lord. And we're going to be rejoined back together again with loved ones and this now in the presence of the glory of, uh, of God. All of this life that we are living is in the physical absence of, uh, of the Lord. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't get to see the presence of the Lord. One day we will see the presence of the Lord and then one day we won't be walking by faith any longer. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, but when we are in the presence of the Lord, then, then we are seeing Him and now our hope has is, is come to pass. Oh, how glorious it is what God has intended for us. We are confident, verse 8, yes, well, pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And so we are well pleased. He says it is preferable for us to depart here and to graduate into heaven. We're well pleased and so here he says, you know, that, that here we are in this life. And, and in this life, we're experiencing the joy that God has given to us. But, but we groan in our flesh. And, and then we are going to depart. We're going to leave this flesh behind. And then, then we move to be present with the Lord, to be absent from the body now. When we die right now, we leave our bodies here and we go into the, the presence of the Lord. And so that is absolutely glorious. But then he is going to return. And at the rapture of the church, then every single one of those souls that, that now is naked, he's saying, you know, it doesn't have a body right now. It's soul and spirit, but no body. They're going to return with the Lord. And at the rapture, they're going to be joined back together again with their body and then into their glorified body. And then we who are alive and remain in a twinkling in an instant, we also are going to be caught up. And these physical bodies then are going to be translated into our eternal bodies and so here in our physical bodies then without a body and then 
into our new bodies. And, and each one of those is this progressive stage, you know, upward. And, and so and here we see that, you know, Paul is just looking at, you know, this first state that is good, but the second state is better and the third state is, is best of all. It's been said of Paul here that he has a case of heavenly homesickness. <laughs> He's longing, this is going to get so good so good and i think that the more uncomfortable that our bodies get here is is a way of creating a longing for the next uh, uh, which is yet to come therefore verse 9 we make it our aim whether present or absent to be well pleasing to him for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. He says we make it our aim every single day to be well-pleasing to him, to be well-pleasing to the Father, to be well-pleasing to God. And I thought, you know, on the top of our to-do list every single day, we should have be well-pleasing to God today. How do you please somebody? How do you please a spouse or a child or a friend? You, you, you think about them. You give consideration to what it is that they lack or what they desire. And then, and then you find a way to meet that need or to bless them in some way, shape, or form. To, to give them a gift, whether it's just a, a text or a greeting or a moment. Or you know, whether you bake something or make something or enjoy something together with them. When you, when you wake up and you say, you know, how can I please... You know, my spouse, my, you know, my child. But how do you please God? How do you please God? I think that you please God just like you, you please anybody else. You, you greet Him, you talk to Him, you reach out to Him, and you, know, you think about Him, and you think about what is well-pleasing to Him, and, and you seek to be able to put a smile on His face and, and to make God smile. How do you make your Father smile? How do you make other people smile and and so it is this you know paul says that that every single day it's our goal to be well pleasing to him you have your other stuff to do that's on your to-do list and and god wants us to be responsible and to be good stewards over our you know the lives that he's given to us and and so yes absolutely but but in the midst of all of that, interwoven through all of that is this ongoing connection. My wife and I, I don't think that we're uncommon. We text each other throughout the course of the day, just, you know, little pieces of information, different things. And, and it's this ongoing relationship in the midst of everything else that we are doing. And to me, I feel like prayer is just that text thread with with God. It's just that, hey, good morning, God, I love you. Thanks for a good night's sleep. And, you know, and then on to breakfast and the things and getting out the door. And then it's, you know, in the car 
and you know again a check-in with God a little hi how are you and you know and it's that it's that life is going on but it is this weaving of this whole relationship now in the midst of, uh, of your life I think sometimes people, you know, they think to please God means that I need to go be a missionary in Africa. It's like, you know, or, you know, I'm going to please God by doing this big, grand thing. But I think that what's pleasing to God is just the interaction on an ongoing basis. I think that, that, that that's what God desires is this, you know, Christ said that I, I'm, the, I'm the vine and you're the branch and apart from me you can do, you can do nothing. It's not a big grand thing. It's being daily intertwined with him. And then when the Lord gives you a little something to do, a little reach out to somebody and it, it, that we're quick to, uh, to say, yes, Lord, that's awesome. I'd love to offer a cup of cold water in your name. It's, it's easy. Paul says that we, we always are seeking to be well-pleasing to him and, and, and knowing this, that one day we're going to stand before the Lord and you remember Jesus said to store up your treasure where? In heaven. And, and that treasure is all of the service, all of the, the little things that you did for the Lord, all the sacrifices that you made on, on behalf. God is the rewarder of these things. And so the Bema seat is, is now where, where this honor is given, then where we can take that honor and put all that honor back onto the, the Lord again. Knowing, therefore, he says, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. The terror of the Lord. I was thinking about when, when, when you are charged in our judicial system, and, and, and you have broken the law, and then there is the, the, the penalties for the law. And, and you know, when when you stand before the judge, the judge can be the kindest judge in the world. He can be the gentlest judge that's ever lived. He, he, he can be benevolent towards his family and, and everybody, but when he stands there, he also is responsible for executing righteousness. The terror of the Lord is that he is a kind and loving judge. But he is also a righteous judge. And if you have not had your sins paid for, then there is the terror of standing before the judge knowing that you are guilty of those sins. He says, knowing that terror, he says, we, we persuade men. <laughs> we we seek to have them reconcile with God and to, and to deal and to receive the forgiveness of sin. He says in verse 12, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Paul, once again, the, you know, those critics of um, Paul and Paul talks about the fact that, you know, outward their appearance, but look at their heart, look at their heart. 
We see that, uh, that now, if we are beside ourselves, he said, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. And, and they, the critics of Paul, you know, talk about, look at, look at his actions. Are his actions the actions of a, of a sane person? You know, and you, and you look at Paul and you say, hmm, you know, would a sane person be willing to go into a, a riotous mob that, that would tear you apart, you know, limb by limb? Would a, would a sane person, you know, after being stoned to death for preaching the gospel, they drag him out of the city. He's resurrected. He wants to go back into the city and finish preaching the message that got him stoned and dragged out. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> Only a person who's utterly devoted to God would show so little regard for himself. It's for you. Paul says, you know, if I'm out of my mind, he says, I'm out of my mind for you to be able to bring the gospel to you. And if I'm sane, it's, it's for you. He says, you, you guys know both sides of me personally first first hand he says for the love of christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all then all died and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again what is the the motivation behind paul's ministry the love of christ compels me the love of christ compels me Jesus said, whom is forgiven little, loves little. Who is forgiven much, loves much. And Paul looks at his life and looks at the way that he persecuted the church and the Christians, and, and he has been forgiven of, of all of that. And so now he loves much. For those who may struggle with their past, your past is forgiven. You are redeemed, and sometimes we can't forgive ourselves for the past mistakes, but that's condemnation of the enemy. And the enemy wants to, to condemn you, but Paul knows that we are completely forgiven of our past. You're completely forgiven. Paul's going to say in a minute, you're a new, new creation. And so if you have had a past that has been completely washed away, know this, that that, that changes into a, a, a heart of love and it is that love the love of christ then that burns great in, in your heart i know my love for christ is great but that great love that i have for christ is also because of the forgiveness of the great amount of sin in my life before i was ever saved and so this love in paul it it compels him to weather whatever storms there, uh, there are. He says, and therefore from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Paul says that, that, that now we don't judge anybody by the standards of the world. As a Christian, it doesn't matter who and what we were in the world. If we were of no stature, it's not important. And if we were of the greatest stature, it's still not important as you enter into the kingdom of, uh, of God. We don't judge each other according to the standards of, uh, of the world. 
He says, we don't judge according to the flesh. And he says, we've known Christ according to the flesh. That's talking about his earthly ministry. But now Christ isn't, doesn't have his earthly ministry anymore. He's ascended into heaven. So uh, now we don't know him any longer in, in, in earthly fashion. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Paul, back to that new covenant back to where god placed his shekinah glory inside of you so prior to being saved we're made in the image and likeness right body soul and spirit so we're a triune being you're a triune being but our spirit was dead when you were born you were spiritually dead and so you were body soul you were functioning body soul body soul body soul when you became born again now your cell service was clicked on your spirit was made alive so now you're functioning body soul and spirit you now have three parts that are functioning but that isn't all now on top of that the holy spirit is placed inside of you so now inside of you is body soul and spirit and the holy spirit all operating he says it's a game changer you're a new creation i mean you can't just can't even compare the way of who you were with now who you are today so when you look and you say man look at those mistakes now but you know what my spirit wasn't alive and i didn't have the indwelling of the holy spirit i mean it's a completely different situation and story of uh, of who i am today you know, it's interesting. We can look back at our mistakes and, you know, say, man, I sure wish that I, you know, that I hadn't X, Y, Z. But here's the reality of those mistakes. The reality of those mistakes is that you made the best decision that you could with what you knew at that time. You can't take what you know now and go back and apply it to what you didn't know then and say that I would have made a different decision. Paul is saying, man, not only that, but how about the fact that we now have the Holy Spirit inside of us and our spirit is now made alive. You're a new creation. It's not that you get to start over. You know, wouldn't it be nice to just wipe the slate clean? Not only do you get to wipe the slate clean, but then you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and you have your spirit made alive and now you get a fresh start. Now go. What an amazing, amazing new covenant that we have entered into. That's why Paul says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we're a new creation. Old things, they've passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Everything has become new. Why? Because you have a different operating system in your life. That's why everything is new. Verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And so, you know, just like we see in, in the first creation, the new creation is initiated by God. All things are of God. And they, God is now reconciling the world. Now, what separated God from the world's sin? And so until the sin offering of Jesus Christ came and lived, then we see that there was now not the, the removal of sin. But now, with the shed blood of Jesus Christ,
Christ washing the soul. Now we have the removal of sin. Now we can be reconciled to God. And so the ministry that Paul has is to be able to go and to share with the whole world that what has separated you from God, there is now a solution. There is a, a resolution to that. And that resolution is found in Jesus Christ. And so that invitation, the, the ministry, he's committed to us now, the, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. He says in verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That, that is the message of the gospel in the new covenant. Be reconciled to God. You see, we couldn't be reconciled in the old covenant. We could be made right with God, but then we were waiting for the forgiveness of sin to be reconciled to God. And so now, through Christ, Paul says, you know, we are pleading with mankind to now come and, and, and be reconciled. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And, and that is simply now the summary of, of Paul's message. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, Romans chapter 5, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As Paul looks at it, you know, in his writing to these Corinthians, the the new covenant, the incredible grace, the mercy, the love of this new covenant that has eclipsed now the old covenant and that we are partakers. As we close our study here, I want to draw our attention for a minute to verse 20 where Paul says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We as Christians, we, we've been made ambassadors. And generally speaking, an ambassador is a respected official and acting as a representative of a nation. Normally sent to foreign land, the ambassador's role is to reflect the official position of the, the nation that gave him authority. And so um, ambassadors, what, what important role they have in and we have had many great ambassadors in, in our nation that have gone and represented us. Nikki Haley, a, a recent U.S. ambassador, Gene Kirkpatrick, Madeleine Albright, all of these have, have been ambassadors. George Bush, before he was president of the United States, was an ambassador to the United Nations, represented the United States and in the United Nations. And... And when you're on foreign soil, you can either be an ambassador on that foreign soil or, or you can be a tourist on that foreign soil. Kind of there are those that look upon this earth as, you know, as a playground, a great place to just eat, drink, and be merry. And they conduct themselves here upon this earth as a, as a tourist on vacation. I was reading about how, how bad tourists have been behaving this past year. It's COVID is kind of over and people haven't been traveling and now they're traveling. And, but the conduct of tourists has just been, has been unparalleled in their, in their bad behavior. Uh, 
authorities or you know people who know about these things say that there's two issues really that are driving you know the bad behavior and they and they said that one of them is social media that people now are doing things and being disrespectful to get their selfies to get their pictures now so they can post them you know on their social media and that's one of the one of the driving forces behind the bad behavior and and the other one is said is that people have this feeling that it's only fair that now I get to do the things that I didn't get to do during lockdown and I do them in spades. And they said they, they come with the mindset that foreign countries are a great big party and I get to do whatever I want. And so there is this mindset and then social media. And so these two things are driving. In the last few weeks, there were two drunk Americans that snuck into the Eiffel Tower and were passed out in an area that, uh, that they weren't supposed to be in there in Paris. A couple weeks ago, a French woman was arrested for carving a heart and her initials into Italy's iconic leaning tower of Pisa. Carves a heart, you know, with, with the initials on it. A Canadian teen defaced a 1,200-year-old Japanese temple last uh, month. A, a British man etched two names into the Rome's Colosseum. <laughs> and then when he was arrested for said that he wasn't aware of how old the Colosseum was. And these are some of the things that are, that are going uh, on as, as tourists. Are you a tourist or you are an ambassador? You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You think of uh, an ambassador. You think of the, how dignified an ambassador is. You think of how culturally sensitive an ambassador is. You think of the respect, the polite, the currying goodwill and favor. These are all pieces and parts of, of what make an ambassador. An ambassador's personal opinion is never important. It's never important what the personal opinion, the ambassador isn't there to represent themselves. They're there to represent the nation that they are representing. I remember Billy Graham one time was being interviewed by David Frost. And, and David Frost asked Billy Graham on national television, you know, Billy, what do you think about the issue of abortion? And I'll never forget what Billy said. Billy said, it's not important what I think. What does the Word of God have to say about it? And Billy opened up the Word of God and started showing what God thinks about uh, abortion. You see, Billy Graham was acting as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. What I think isn't important. This is what God has to say. And Paul says that each and every one of us now here upon this earth, you're not a tourist any longer. You're not here to party, to live, drink, and be merry, to live it up because this is all that you have. Paul says, no, you have been promoted. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And so we want to represent that. We want 
people to see that there is a difference. Is it that they're going to know that you're my disciples, that you're my ambassadors by the love that you have one for another. And so to be able to go and, and to be sensitive, to be loving, to be caring, to be gentle, to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, to be that ambassador that we have the fragrance of Christ uh, upon us. What, what a glorious, glorious promotion each and every one of us received. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you were promoted to an ambassador now here upon this world to promote the kingdom of God and the principles of love and to let everybody know that their sin can be reconciled and that they can now have a right relationship with the Father. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, not only for loving us, not only that we are new creations, but God, also that each and every one of us now, we, we represent, we represent your kingdom, your values. So God, help us to, to be amazing ambassadors. Help us to reflect your kingdom principles. And Father, we thank you for the great love that you have poured into each and every one of us. And so, Lord, bless us now as we seek to expand your kingdom, to let the world know that there is such a greater way to live and, and that there is a future and a hope that God has for each and every one of them. And that we have this ministry of reconciliation that's been given to us and, and the Lord now desires to use our hands and god we pray that you would help us to to be well pleasing well pleasing to you that when we do stand before you that we will hear those words well done thy good and thy faithful servant help us to be faithful servants help us to be faithful ambassadors it's in jesus holy and precious name we pray amen